Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Kitchen Table Conversations. So happy that you've decided to share some space with us again today. Um, And yeah, I'm just really, really thrilled with this podcast and the opportunities that it's presenting. Um, It was interesting because I was at a support group the other day and I was talking about all the things that we're doing in terms of building awareness for people who are experiencing complex mental health issues and complex neurodevelopmental issues. conditions and um, you know really honored to do a lot of the work that I'm doing and this podcast is one of them but I have to be honest with you it's not really within my comfort zone this is an extra thing that I have um, embarked upon for really the sole purpose again is to just raise awareness and to help um, bring home really important conversations to our own kitchen tables because I really and truly believe that's where the learning takes place. That's where the most meaningful um, learning takes place. And we we do have um, a tendency to listen really carefully to people that we have formed strong relationships with. So um, that being said, this podcast has presented me with some really interesting opportunities. Um, just last week alone, I've connected with people in places that I never would have otherwise. Um, and I've come across a really interesting person, and her name is Laura Hernandez, and uh, she's from Texas. And she has some interesting, really creative ideas and s- suggestions uh, to support very um, busy and complex families and she herself has a family of 12 if you can imagine and so in her journey she's had to develop some pretty um, concrete plans and strategies in order to help build skills and to share some of the the workload so I encourage everyone to check out her website it's mama systems Uh, .net and uh, she gives out some really neat really neat and free resources and uh, and and obviously she's she's available for some ongoing coaching and support and that kind of thing so I uh, but I do encourage you to check out her website because I think it's really really interesting how she starts off one of her booklets by saying I know you can do it all but please don't And as a social worker in private practice, supporting a number of caregivers who are often feeling stretched to the limits and maybe even a little overwhelmed sometimes, I think, I think many of us kind of feel like it's just easier if we do it ourselves. And sometimes it's not worth the battle of trying to, you know, orchestrate uh, chores and Uh, following through with different activities that we have to do in the house and sometimes it is just easier for us to go ahead and do it ourselves and and let the world kind of happen around us Um, but she does offer some really good suggestions and I think that you know with what I'm finding and I think what the research will tell you is that when you are dealing with kids and adolescents and young adults maybe with special needs, it, it's probably even more important that we take that extra time to be really planful and to develop structure and strategies that help, again, to build those skills and um, to really capitalize on the fact that 
everyone needs to have a purpose and feel like they belong and feel like they're contributing. And sometimes in our efforts to just keep peace and to keep calm, um, we sort of forget that sometimes these little guys can be really, really helpful. And, um, you know, and, and as Laura indicates in her booklets, you know, I mean, we're, we're trying to raise kids who are going to be good roommates someday. And I really like the way that she focuses on that because regardless of what's happening, um, you know, kids are, our kids are going to move on at some point and they're going to share space with others and, and they need to have some of those skills in place so that they feel like they're contributing members of whatever their family looks like. I wish that I would have had this booklet for considerations when I when my children were younger because one of the things that I found just really so cute and fascinating was that she has a list here of age-appropriate chores and she starts as young as age two or three. And, and you know, it's true. Two- and three-year-olds can pick up their toys, can maybe help unload the dishes or maybe turn on a Roomba if we're lucky enough to have one of those and to put some of our clothes away and to help switch out the laundry and I love this one. She suggests that people can wipe down the baseboards and and that kind of thing and putting dirty clothes away. And little kids love to dust and water plants. So, so while our little ones are learning new skills, they're actually being helpful, but they're also being appreciated for what they're what they're doing, even though it does take us some time to help facilitate this kind of thing, especially when we're talking about really little people. But what I found really interesting about this is that, you know, in my work, especially supporting individuals with with FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, or autism spectrum disorder, or kids who are um, anxious and have some concentration difficulties. I mean, most of the time, what I have seen is that they really do want to be helpful and really want to contribute in a good way. Um, They often just are kind of left feeling like they're not really doing a good enough job or they're just really, you know, messing up sometimes and and frustrating both themselves and other people. So whenever we can provide them with really concrete examples of where they can be helpful, the majority of the time they're jumping all over it. So I think that's really neat. So again, um, Mama Systems here goes on to give age-appropriate chores right across the lifespan. And I think that, you know, it's really neat to see that even four- and six-year-olds can help fold some laundry, like dishcloths or tea towels and things like that. They can sort shoes. They can wipe down the light switches, clear off the table, and maybe check the mail or feed the animals, whatever that is. But I think that anything is possible with a good plan. And I think we all do better when we know what's coming. So there could be things like morning routines and afternoon routines and kids who have memory challenges or, you know, need a little bit more concrete direction really often benefit from chore lists on the fridge, for example, and and an opportunity for all of us as family members to be doing that check-in at a specific time and so that everybody knows that this is coming and this is what we're all responsible for and um, there's a bit of a camaraderie that goes along with that. I used to work in group homes when I first began my career and I, I remember us always creating chore lists and calendars and having things really clearly documented and um 
step-by-step instructions and that kind of thing because it was just so much easier for kids to or for the young adolescents to to check those lists rather than continually trying to debate or argue with uh, those of us who were Um, you know, providing care at that time. And I think that, you know, I encourage family members to do the same thing. So rather than constantly reminding our kids, uh, you know, or maybe even nagging our our kids or our young people to follow through with things, we can just suggest that it's time to go and check the check the list or go check the fridge, please. Or remember to take a look at the instructions or some of these house rules over here. Um, and that's just a cue for people to to then follow through with what they know they really want to Again, really capitalizing on the sort of innate desire for the majority of us to really um, contribute and have a sense of uh, worth and, and that people really value what it is we're, we're doing for the family. So in my work, I spend a lot of time supporting caregivers as well, and I always try to remind everyone that, you know, our role is involves taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other, and I think that that's really, really important to balance out. And so Mama Systems also has some great tips on self-care, um, and so I encourage everyone once again to check that out. So now I've spent a lot of time offering, again, parent and caregiver support groups where we do focus on self-care. But I have to be honest, lots of times parents are like rolling their eyes when we think about self-care because there doesn't seem to be enough time in the day. And so I often talk about how our focus on self-care can be really taken out of context and that it, it does not often involve a day at the spa or a weekend away or, you know, and even evenings on a regular basis away from the family. And I think, um, I mean, if we're able to do that once in a while, I think that's really, really important. However, it's also equally important to realize the more we focus on the need for self-care, and particularly if we're not able to fit it into our days, um, I think the worse we feel about our current situation. So I think you know, that has to be something that we're aware of. And, um, but I do, honestly, I do believe that, um, you know, as parents and caregivers, we have to look after ourselves and it's not a selfish act. It's a, it's an important, um, part of parenting and caregiving. And we can't be at the top of our game and we can't do what we want to do and live in line with our values if we are, constantly tired, if we're constantly uh, on edge, if we're constantly under significant stress. So we do have to balance that out. But I just think it's really important for us to be realistic with our expectations. And I think that, you know, stress management and um, self-care, those kinds of concepts sell also. And it's in sometimes the more emphasis we place on it, the more people feel like they must be doing something wrong or they're not doing enough um, to take care of themselves. And then they end up feeling kind of worse and worse and worse. And we sort of pathologize stress like it's something that's really needs to be combated rather than something that's a part of our day to day and that we can develop really good and healthy coping strategies and support systems hopefully that will allow us to get through these times um, in the best way. I remember a few years back while we were doing some work at a community health center and 
one of the participants was talking about the different roles that we have within our families now. And it still is, um, I think, pretty a pretty well-known fact that um, mums take on a little bit more of the, or maybe a lot more of the caregiving role and the domestic responsibilities. Um, but there's definitely been some movement there and some lots of dads and different partners are, are you know, contributing a lot more in terms of who's cooking dinner and grocery shopping and that kind of thing. But sometimes in our effort to create boundaries um, and, and healthy boundaries for ourselves, um, again, it can sometimes be taken out of context. And then sometimes there's this big debate around, you know, whose job is it anyway? And then nobody really wants the job. And then when we do do the job, we're all kind of resentful about it rather than just accepting and trying to have open conversations around what it is we can all do to contribute given our strengths and our areas of interest. And I think that's just really so important to consider. You know, I'm not, um, personally, I'm not particularly fond of changing tires on my car or giving oil changes, but I love to sew and I love to garden and I love to, um, you know, build things and paint and, you know, just having those options to do things that are creative for myself, whatever they are, that brings me joy and that brings me peace. And it gives me a little bit of reprieve from some of the, maybe some of the other mundane uh, responsibilities. So I guess the message here is to really be thoughtful around what it is we're needing what it is we're missing and to be able to have conversations or to give consideration ourselves to um, to how we're going to move forward in the best way um, you know with our family members and asking for their support when needed and and again keeping in mind the skill development and and the other um, benefits in terms of view of self and that kind of thing that can happen from some of these extra responsibilities but I think it's also equally important to pat ourselves on the back and to acknowledge all that we do to contribute to a healthy uh, functioning family and household. So I think that, you know, as much as we we do want to focus on self-care, sometimes actually having a to-do list and accomplishing beautiful things and that make our family as healthy as it can be, that's also self-care. Um, I personally find baking cookies for my family very much self-care. Um, cleaning the floors and having the house nice and nice and tidy and walking in and having it smell so fresh and clean. That's self-care for me. So oftentimes I write a to-do list on the weekends and, and I get, you know, quite a bit of pleasure off of checking off those things that, that I know that I really want to have finished. So again, self-care is different for all of us. And I encourage us all to just really be mindful about that and prioritize that, whatever that might look like for you. Remembering that there's a cost benefit to just about everything that we choose to do. So although it is important to take an evening off and to sit on the couch with a cup of tea and and not worry about the laundry, for example, or not worry about anything that might be happening the next day, but if you wake up the next day and then are under a lot of pressure and feeling an enormous amount of stress, and you're not at the top of your game, and you're not as available to your kids and your family, then I suppose in my definition, that wouldn't be self-care. I think one very simple thing that all of us can do more of, and hopefully we're going to be doing more of it now that spring is here, but is getting a little extra vitamin D and spending a little bit of time outside and watching the flowers bloom and watching the grass 
become a little more greener and uh, just spending some time and watching the communities sort of get active again outside. So hopefully that's going to be your experience, particularly now that the weather is becoming warmer and um, less likely for more snowstorms, I hope. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful week. With many thanks, Angela. Angela.